Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of a lawyer and a policy analyst walk into a bar. This is episode 4 of season 4 and today we're going to look at the manifestos uh, for the general elections of Vincent and the Grandines. The general election is on the 5th of November. We're going to be looking at some of the policies that uh, the two main parties, the New, De- New Democratic Party and the Unity Labour Party have in their manifestos. Um, as always, I'm the lawyer, Jadrick Cummings. And I'm Delano D'Souza, the policy analyst. And like Jadrick said, we're going to be taking a little dive today uh, into manifestos and malarkey. Um, we're going to be looking at what is talk and we're going to, and from what are realistic promises and so on and what is just old talk, as the people would say. Um, right. So, like Jadrick said, we're going to be looking at um, the main the two main parties the ulp new the unity labor party and the new democratic party don't feel no way if you're if, if you're supporting the others but i mean guys <laughs> we're limited in terms of the time and i yeah. i love said that jarek um i think it's important that we let the people know that obviously this is a, a one episode we just thought we'd do a little quick thing um, yeah, it's not bonus. meant to be yeah it's not meant to be a fully comprehensive look at the manifesto we're just going to be cherry picking some issues and doing a little comparison and doing a little talk and giving our thoughts on some of the issues yeah yeah exactly so um don't don't come at us if you don't hear us mention something or you know might have like skipped <laughs> over something you know it's <laughs> we try it our best we just it i mean the, man, the manifestos are extensive in some cases um, so, you know, it's a lot so we are gonna miss some things but we're gonna do our best that we could just at least put forward a picture so you guys could have an idea of what both contain. Yeah, definitely. So don't come for we. If I say, oh, what we talk about? Well, you know, they ain't talk about this thing. They ain't talk about this. You know, they talk about that. And I can also, see it guys, coming already. Mm-hmm. And also, guys, we yeah. don't have any sides. We don't have no affiliation. Labor ain't paying me. And the pain paying me. Nothing. No. So we're just talking from what we see in the manifestos. So if it seems yeah. like if we're criticizing one um, idea more than the other or composing or contending views, that's just because how we feel in terms of you know our experiences it has nothing to do with any political leanings let's be clear on that let's be clear i don't feel as though we haven't made given that disclaimer since like episode one in season one <laughs> yeah, we don't have no we're side still, uh, we're just talking yeah. policy yeah um all right so i think the first thing we're getting to delano is just the general look and feel of the manifestos themselves what, what do you think well boy first question that came to my mind is why the headshots <laughs> why the headshots on the cover <laughs> I mean, clearly both parties appear to believe that they are pitching their leaders, perhaps more so than anything else. Um, but I think in the case of the ULP, it might be a bit more so than the NDP jury. Because, I mean, if you watch it, um, mm-hmm. two or three pages after the, the cover, of course, you know, Dr. Yeah. Fried and Dr. Gonzalez are on the cover. But two or three pages into the manifesto of the ULP, them fellas have a CV for the Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, this was not included in 2015. They have a CV, his formal education, everything that he's done and so on. It was not the case in 2015. I can't remember if it was the case in 2010. But Dr. Friday doesn't have anything like that. He has, have both, both um, leaders have letters to, to the voters and so on. But the ULP is, is pitching... Um, PM Gonzalez <laughs> as, as the five, what do you call it now, Jared? Five star general, five star general, world boss. <laughs> yeah, well, so they're pitching the leader. What, yeah. what, what were your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I noticed that as well. Um, as another criticism that I had of but their manifesto, uh, specifically the ULP manifesto, because I found that the, the content, the layout of the content was a bit inconsistent. So, like we we're talking about the pitching the leader, I think, um, there's a section where they talk about 
construction, right? With, after mm-hmm. they go into their plans, they talk about construction. And then right after that construct, construction um, segment, chapter, it goes back to a page about leadership mm-hmm. and talking about the importance of leadership. Yeah, so I found that was a criticism that I found something that I noticed as well. So I was like, boy, they really want to make sure that you know leadership is a is a big thing. They want to say that Dr. Friday can't lead, we have the better leader. So it's you know they're just trying to spring with him. But against the backdrop of, of PM Gonzalez having said that you know he don't know how much longer he's gonna continue and so on, and they, there's all this speculation about who's gonna take over. Um, within the party as as um, leader of of the government, should they win, you know, I'm surprised that they're still pushing um, PM Gonzalez so much. But I mean, that's that's separate and apart from that. That's just how I felt. That was my first question when I saw the, the two manifestos. Now, just even in terms of the, the look and feel, Jarek, a little bit more on that. Um, mm-hmm. I, in my mind, as I was reading it, I I, I almost and, and how it's set out, I almost feel like the ULP manifesto has almost like a feel of a study. Or a report or yes, some kind of academic yeah. manuscript in some ways. That's how exactly. I kind of felt about the ULP. Did you get? Did you get? You feel that as well? Definitely, definitely. Just looking at it, even if you don't actually, um, before you even go to read it, if you're skimming through it, you're just greeted with, you know, just, just words upon words upon words. Mm-hmm. Even the layout, I think. Mm-hmm. In the NDP's manifesto, they have, you know, they use bold, large headings bold with and, the explanations yeah, yeah, underneath. And, you know, so the layout for the NDP one is, is a lot clearer and I think more inviting to read. Mm, Whereas yeah. when you look at the ULP one, it just, you know, it just seems like, you know, it's like a heavy text that you have to sit down and <laughs> yeah, read. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> and we should be reading people, and of course we are. But I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you. The, and in my mind, the NFP's manifesto is more visually appealing. Um, um, it's yeah. better laid out and arguably easier to read. Um, some might say um, it's it's concise and, and structured, whereas others might say, no, you know, this thing has no detail in there. It's lack of detail. That's why they have to spread it out and skim it out. So, kind of thing. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's yeah. what the people will be saying. And, you know, yeah. That's what it is. I think, Meanwhile, um, yeah, well, just saying, I think as well, just because... NDP is in the position where they can criticize what the incumbent is doing. They, their sections, they're laid out in this nice little way where they, at the beginning of each chapter, you know, they mm-hmm. say what are their main, what's the main focus, and then they have a little section about how the ULP has failed. Just in a mm, big red yeah, bracket. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw, <laughs> so I, I saw that. Them fellas well. reminding you before they tell yeah. you where they want to remind you. You know, this is what them fellas ain't doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what we're gonna do. So I, I thought that was interesting. But the people might be wondering why we know it's been a, so, so, so the introduction talking about this, right? But you guys have to remember, if the purpose of a manifesto is primarily to communicate the plans of the party to the persons, you know, from per, to persons from all walks of life in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, um, it is worth asking, you know, which of the manifestos would likely be read by more persons and by who? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can have all your, your, your details and your planning there. But if the manifesto are hard to read... And, and, and the average man can pick it up, then you, you ain't reaching your target, you see me? Yeah, exactly. And um, just to throw back in there, I, you know, I, I, I dabbled in a little design and thing. One thing that stood out to me, the lado. No, was... them Photoshop, boss! <laughs> 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 you know, in ULPs, there were a lot of chapters where they had wording 
against the, the background was an image. The background that Why? Yeah, yeah, Why? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, so they're making words hard to read. Why? Like, you have to, like, really, like, look at it, like, you know, but... I, I'm, I'm not gonna come. I'm not coming out there, designer. Whoever put it together, but I'm just saying. <laughs> next time, you know, yeah. make it easier. <laughs> but if it's one thing, both of them high in common, Jarek. Boy, them them love a picture, nah. They yes. love a picture, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> them fellas yeah. choose some, hey, but like, anyhow, that, that's I, just I, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a, you had a chuck something in your five and the world, but the pictures and them, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. both both manifestos had you know pictures of St. Vincent showed. How beautiful a place we have, how how, how vibrant our yeah. people and so on, and captured a lot about who we are as a people, and I like that in terms of um, both manifestos. But to the meat of the matter, Jarek, you know, to the, the meat of the, the matter, we're mm. going down into it now. But before we kind of jump into um, these two manifestos for 2020, I wanted to just kind of go back and, and, and I want the people to understand that we're only going to talk about the ULP manifesto for 2015 for a specific reason. Because the NPU has not been in power for the last five years. So it makes no sense to be looking at their 2015 manifesto and try to see what they've done or what they haven't done. So for that right. reason, we're going to take a quick look at the ULP record um, from 2015 to now, Jarek, yeah? Yeah, yeah, makes total sense, yeah. So having been in office for the last 20 years, the, the ULP have the luxury of including a lot of their achievements and in the manifesto for 2020. While the NDP, like I said, they, they, they have the option, they can really just focus on their plans and proposals. So, so in terms of the previous manifesto, what we spoke about some of the things they would have accomplished and we'll get into a little bit more. But some of the things that were in the 2015 manifesto that perhaps some would consider that hasn't been or that haven't been achieved fully at least, um, Jared, you think about the geothermal electricity, which they promise. Um, but of course, we know they've yeah. gone about the process, but things have they've not started, worked yeah. in their favor. So that, that's mm-hmm. one of the things. And they're now trying to reposition and, and recalibrate how they're going to attack that. The modern city at Annesville, the NDP beating them bad for this. Um, <laughs> the government said they have the master plan and everything, yeah. but it hasn't materialized. And of course, we know we've had the plan. We've had... Um, we, we have, I mean, apart from the pandemic, we've had the, what challenges have we had apart from the hurricane and so on? It hasn't yeah. been because I'm struggling to think of of any real because you know before we could have said okay there was a 20, the 2008 financial crisis that would have pushed back a lot of things and so on. But what has happened between 2015 to now that is like a significant global event or perhaps something that that is a a, a mitigating factor that if we're looking at a reason why this perhaps has not come to fruition. And I'm really not, I can't think of any big ones. I don't know. Can you? Yeah, no, I think they've just been, their um, focus was elsewhere in terms of accomplishing other projects, probably focusing on getting the hotels in and these kinds of things. Um, but I mean, in my mind as well, it wasn't something that was going to be achieved within that period. But obviously you would have at least liked to see some kind of start, you know, some kind of something to say, all right, well, it's actually beginning, it's actually happening. But yeah, in my mind, it wasn't something that I thought would have been achieved within between 2015 and now, but I think at least should have liked to well, see Well, then them shouldn't of... say so then. <laughs> that's what well, yeah, I'm saying. You, you no, yeah, you yeah, went, yeah. You're you, you putting your manifesto that by 2020, the sitting end the day, and, and it ended it. So <laughs> we have a whole account of because that's what the manifesto is. There's a pledge, there's a plan. I mean, obviously, I agree, I yeah. the, prime, the prime minister said, you know, they've, they've been delays in terms of, you know, the plan and the, you know, the overall, because they want it to be structured and they want it to be of a certain quality and, and layout and all those type of things. We, Things, of course, you and I can accept, and I'm sure the Vincentian people can appreciate as well. But it, it, it would be an objective. You say you're going to do it, and you can do it. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And not, not even a start either. I think the first start is actually coming now 
in terms of them doing the the shopping center Mm, and yeah. in the shopping yeah. center and that's literally now like in the past few months they started that mm-hmm. so yeah you know you look at that and say yeah fail to deliver yeah i mean they spoke also about the redevelopment of, of kingston including um the, the the biker building and i don't think that has has been that, 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 that i don't think there's been any construction there perhaps there might be things happening behind the ground background that we don't know in terms of the ownership however um car park facilities they Promising would construct a boardwalk in Kingston, a cultural center, modern shops in the area of Chinatown. Oh, really? And the waterfront. Yes, boy, I listen to it. This is copy and paste now. I don't want nobody to say I'm misquoting them. So this is copy and paste from the 2015 manifesto that I'm reading it straight, brother. So, you know, they had a lot of them from Chinatown. They had to renovate Little Tokyo. And the last time I was home when I went to Little Tokyo, it was a mess. I don't know if they've done anything to talk to Little Tokyo yet. But I mean, oh. to my knowledge, Jared, none of these projects have been completed. Yeah, no. Um, as well, what, you have the new hospital at Anna's Vale. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, none of it. Uh, yeah. And like, I think persons forget as well. Because obviously, like, you know, five years ago, you probably don't even revisit these manifestos from so long ago. But when you see them, when you really go back and look at it and see and, what and... didn't happen, it's like, mm-hmm. boy, what's not going to happen in this manifesto? Uh, exactly. And that's why the NDP has taken the, the approach of pointing out these things right of course here in the, in the 2015 manifesto was the new port as well and they said they would quote in from the manifesto commence construction of the port they haven't done so i know they 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 are still they're building up to it but they haven't started they have to relocate the people down down um rose place and all rose that place, things yeah. but you know it, 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 they said they would start the construction they haven't but at least they made some inroads there they said they would explore plans to build a cruise ship, a cruise ship facility in North Leeward. I don't know if they actually explore, because that one kind of vague now. When you say explore, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that I one is one of the ones that you can say, well, we explore, but they make it. But, you know, yeah. they, they, plan, they promise to reduce the, the corporate tax 27% from, from I think, what is it now? 30, 30% or 32 But in an event, it ain't move. It's still up there. So, that's, a, that's another thing that wasn't done. And they spoke about improving and this one was actually interesting to me they said they're going to improve their ranking in the world bank doing business report this is what was in the 2015 manifesto saint vincent has actually slipped in terms of our ranking on the doing on the doing business index and of course the last one is the new hospital out annasville jarek it ain't started it ain't done and uh, another okay. another we see we see plans for the first time for this election is when we see the plans and yeah, when those the come plans out so yeah. they said it was, it was supposed to be finished and all these things so we know that they're way behind on that. And of course, they would offer um, different things, reasons for that. But I mean, that's just some of the 2015 things there, Jadrick. And um, mm-hmm. kind of now going into 2020. What are any 2020 manifesto them? Right? The, 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 in terms of the ULP's manifesto, one of the things that you will recognize when they start, Jadrick, is that them fellas, you know, they took a lot of time in terms of pointing out their achievements over the last 20 years. So... But for me now, you know, I look at these achievements with a critical eye, as, as I'm sure you did. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hopeful that all the people in St. Vincent are doing. So while you, while the physical infrastructure projects that they listed are not really in question in terms of the, 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 the bridges, the, the infrastructure, the roads and so on, and other buildings and so on that they've built, that, those things are not in question. Huh? We know that they've done those. And, but right. we can, you know, we could think of several, you know, the modern medical complex in Georgetown and so on. There are several major infrastructural um, accomplishments that the ULP government has done over the last 20 years. But for me, what is perhaps more deserving of the scrutiny is the list of 
what they termed in this new manifesto as hugely beneficial measures, um, which they won that the NDP will roll back if elected. You saw that part in the manifesto? Yeah, I did. I was wondering on what basis they had to say that the NDP would roll yeah, them back. Yeah, someone like this. Yeah. It was interesting to me that them fellas saying hey, nah, these things can roll back if the NDP win. And I think that's part of the, the campaign dynamic this year. It's almost, I don't want to say fear-mongering, but it's almost a kind of, listen, if you vote these fellas, you'll be going backwards kind of thing. Um, which, yeah. of course, uh, is a strategy. Um, but objectively speaking, some of these things are quite vague, you know. And I looked at them. So, for example, they had as, a, an, as, as an achievement numerous tax reduction and measures. But know what I mean? <laughs> right? Numerous tax reduction and measures as an achievement. But if you look at it, Jadrick, we could easily identify a barrage of other tax increases to go along with any reductions that they've but put forward in terms yeah. of tax. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't come and tell me one year achievements is numerous tax reductions and measures. You, you know, I think some of the things are kind of vague in, 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 in the manifesto, in that section of the manifesto in particular. Mm-hmm. They also had strengthened criminal law and procedure to fight crime and ensure the criminals are brought to justice. But if you look at it, some people might say that certain, t- certain type of crimes are on, on the increase. And perhaps you might know about this better than me. And the, the backlog of cases remains an issue. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the backlog of cases, I think regionally... Like the Eastern Caribbean Supreme um, Supreme Court, they're trying a whole host of different measures to try to alleviate that um, that backlog across the region. Um, statewide, I'm not sure what measures are being put in place. I know we've, well, over the, have we, in the past five years? Uh, maybe before that, but I know we added another civil judge, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you would see these same themes repeating themselves in this year's manifesto, strengthening yeah. criminal law practice and procedure making the high court more efficient things like that so you could see i mean i'm not gonna say it's a obviously it's an ongoing fight you're not gonna say well you do it once and that's it yeah but you know they make sure to throw in these somewhat you know vague vague type of things yeah yeah and another one of the accomplishments they had they had overall 45 measures for citizen security what does this even mean i mean a layman reading it and so on even it's these are, these are the type of vague accomplishments and so on. And I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking anything on anybody. I'm just saying <laughs> that when I read yeah. a policy document like this, I expect a little bit more, me personally. And, and one of the things that kind of caught me too, and it was interesting, it said we, we, was, we were able to keep in cost of living low to moderate. And that kind of infers that, that, that we had low inflation. But of course, Jadik, low inflation can actually be a signal of economic problems. Because it may be associated with weaknesses in the economy. So when you think when you think about it, really, uh, when employment is higher, consumer confidence is low. Or when or when businesses are delaying purchases, or investments aren't flowing in, um, and consumption isn't really getting any boost, then that's when you tend to have low inflation, right? So we have to be careful with how we I say. Oh, well, you know, things ain't gone up, but we have to remember that there is what we call good inflation that comes with growth, that comes with economic growth. And a lot of the times, if you're not, if you're having, if you're not having that, this type of good inflation, as the economists would say, then your country, your economy could actually not be growing as, as well as it should, as, as quickly as it should. And therefore, no, when see. things like that happen, you have issues like salaries remaining low for a long period of time and so on, sticky wages and so So, I mean, I just thought I would throw that in the mix there as well, Jared, before we kind of right. jump in a little bit now into the you know the a more in-depth comparison yeah um okay yeah no definitely i mean it's something that obviously as the incumbent they have to 
you know, tote and boast. And when you look at the NDP's manifesto, they start off with things like what ULP hasn't done and they criticize what they're counting as achievements. But I mean, that's the nature of it. So when you look at both manifestos now in 2020, like Delana and I, obviously, like we said at the start, we can't or we could not go through everything um, yeah, do it. We in totality. It's just, yeah, it would be a. And you a guys don't have the time to listen to a podcast either. <laughs> right. It would be just a way too long podcast. So we picked out a few areas and we're just going to go through some of them and compare what each uh, party had to say in respect of those areas. So uh, where do we want to start? We could start, I guess we could start with health. Um, right. So uh, when you look at the ULPs, manifesto in respect of health they had that they're going to build an acute referral hospital 130 bed facility of top quality including tertiary health care right um imagine this is a facility that they want to build at the old easy joshua site at the new the new town the modern city Mm -hmm. um ndp equally has a plan to build or construct uh of health uh, hospital as well um they have it construct a new hospital a national hospital through foreign investment um they're also going to support medical schools uh finance the health sector and introduce national health care health insurance you know things like that i found i mean obviously we know that ulp their, their flagship um proposal is the is the acute referral hospital uh, they've already built the one out charge down they're kind of telling the people listen we can get this done yeah and i mean they have mm-hmm. other measures in there the ulp also has a, a little piece in their manifesto about the medical schools as well and around housing right, yeah. apartments and so on so let's be careful with that <laughs> yeah you know you know the people oh, yes so it's not just that, like the yeah, ndp the ndp the ulp also has um, a little part in there about the medical schools and, and its development and so on but what I wanted to talk a little bit about, Jarek, is this whole... Because the NDP is going to build a national hospital, too. That's one of their things. They said too far an investment. Not quite sure what they're going to get that done. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, I, you know, that foreign investment part kind of stuck out to me. But then the other part that I want to talk about, talk about, sorry, is finance the health sector and introduce a national health insurance. Now, that's bigger. This is, this is if you recognize... Right now, we have, if you, if you want insurance, most people have private health insurance, huh? Correct, yeah. And they're talking about now national health insurance that, that they want to run through the NIS, which is something, and, and Obamacare immediately comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that, for me, I would like a little bit more fleshing out of in terms of that. I don't think the NDP gave any real detail about this whole national health um, insurance plan that they have. And that, for me, is disappointing because it's something now... Even when you think about the, and especially because they want to run through the NIS, for example, we think about the, the, the solvency, the NIS, long-term and all these type of things. So there's a lot that has to come into trying to offer. And we could even see in the US how the Republicans are trying to tear down Obamacare. So, we, you know, that for me is something that stood out uh, in terms of health. Jarek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but as, uh, as Dan was talking about, uh, uh, something that you're going to see as a running theme throughout these uh, 30 manifestos and throughout our discussion is something that I, th- I think especially in the NDP's manifesto they have a lot of or in some areas they have a lot of good ideas but it's not fleshed out so yeah, you're, yeah. you're left wondering how are they going to achieve this okay this, mm. this sounds good but you know where is the meat and it probably goes back to the whole design of the manifesto where they just wanted to have the yeah, little exactly. where the large like, like points point and stuff idea right. 
yeah. as opposed to you know, something a bit picture. more meaty. But I want some, I want some granularity with this thing. I want you to tell me, okay, uh, national health health insurance sounds good. I would like everybody to, to, to be able to access the benefits of health insurance. Too few people in St. Vincent and the Grenadines actually have health insurance, and a lot of people don't even contemplate the benefits of health insurance in a lot of ways. So that's an initiative that definitely stuck out to me. But again, right now it's bare bones. You give me this, oh, I ain't got nothing there yeah, that, I could, yeah. that I could munch on there with that. So that was a disappointment for me in terms of the NDP's healthcare plan. Um, the, the ULB's healthcare plan wasn't that much extensive either. They kind of spoke a lot about their, their past achievements, but they didn't really go into in any great detail for me. Or there was nothing that big that stuck out to me apart from the um, acute referral hospital that they're looking to build at Andersville. All oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, I agree. It seems as though at least NDP had it had in, in their specific section some more um, ideas about what, what they wanted to do. Granted, not fleshed out, as we said, but, yeah, um, yeah. a bit of a yeah. contrast there in terms of ULPs. Mm-hmm. Um, economic and fiscal policy, and, and so let me just pick out a few and, and, yeah. and just kind of talk about them. So the, the ULP, the ULP promises to reduce the top rate of personal income tax um, to 20%. That's what they're saying, right? And they're also right. saying that they're going to lift the threshold um, up above for what workers pay from twenty thousand to thirty thousand, which means now you're gonna you're gonna get a, a higher um, allowance before you start being taxed based on how much money you make uh, in the year. Um, good initiatives. They said they're gonna carry out continue the prime and the prime plus into twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, and they said they're gonna put um, estimates in terms of the, the those for those years going forward. So they want to continue that project that prime and prime plus for another two years at least. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the corporate tax, uh, we already mentioned that they said they was gonna raise, they was gonna reduce it since twenty fifteen. It didn't happen yet, so happen I'm yet. not I'm not quite sure as to when and back it's then it was tick- mm-hmm. it was reduced to twenty seven percent, right? In your last manifesto, now it's twenty. No, I think no, I think it was no, it's like thirty something, man. They're trying to they, it was yeah, they wanted to reduce it to twenty seven and they haven't gotten there yet. Right. So I need to just double check the figures here. But they said they want to do that. I'm not quite sure how it's going to give the environment. No, is it mm-hmm. a good time to go and try to reduce income tax, um, corporate tax further? Corporate we tax. have to wait and see. And then lifting the, the threshold, I think that's something that's going to benefit um, a lot of people. Um, I mean, given how low, comparatively low, in terms of um, to our neighbors in the Caribbean, our salaries are, um, you know, persons would mm-hmm. feel that increase in that threshold would be something beneficial. And I found those to be interesting. They also want to lower duties for certain um, type of vehicles and so on. Um, there, of course, there is no talk about the VAT reduction and the ULP. They seem to be against that. Um, yeah. yeah, something I NDP, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the NDP now, um, they want to reduce VAT and remove it from certain essential items. So they want to move it from um, 16% to 13%. To 13%. And they also yeah. want to in- increase uh, the number of items um that are VAT exempt um and they said they want to talk tackle things like fresh food and medicine uh, although i don't know i know that there's a list of of items now that are um VAT exempt now anyway so we'd have to see in terms of how their list would reconcile if they do win how how, how what would actually change there but the VAT thing for me is a big issue well a big a big talking point you're saying that you want to move VAT from 16 to 13 percent that's a that's a potential shortfall of a lot of money yeah so there yeah, are questions about you. the shortfall um, in terms of revenue. Now, I, I listened to Dr. Friday's presentation on Friday at the community college. 
And he's made a point that some economists have made, and it, there is some truth to that. That the if you reduce the if you reduce the rate of VAT, then it would sort of act as a fall in prices. And it and it of course is going to spur it may spur additional individual consumption. Yeah? But then you kinda have to think about it this way in terms of individual consumption. It can only go so far one, but it you know, is your consumption yeah. going to increase that much based on that? So I think for me personally, from what I've seen and 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 and, and my little knowledge that I have is that I, in my mind, it's going to be unlikely that that revenue loss is going to be fully matched. So I think there is going to be a shortfall and the NDP is just going to have to contend with that. And of course, you know, it's one or two things now. It's either you, it's either you stop spending or you find some way to compensate for the loss. And I, I have not heard that. What I've heard from the NDP is, well, you know, if you put more money in people's pocket, people are going to spend more and, and they can move out through the economy, you know, multiply effect and so on. But at the same time, you got to remember that you're not increasing necessarily the, the overall amount um, or the overall, you know, the total amount of money. Now, what you're doing is it's essentially counting as a price reduction. So right. it's not going to, it's not going to, there is going to be a shortfall in my mind is what I'm saying. So that's one of the things in terms of reducing the VAT. I would have preferred if they had something to say, well, you know, we're going to cut down some spending here or perhaps we're going to use some other economic measure, whether it be um, revenue from the um, citizenship by investment or something. But in my right. mind, I, I don't see how you can cut VAT by 3%. And, and I think the Prime Minister made an estimate of something like 40 million. And I can't remember what it was, but there is a potential for some, some for a, a fall in terms of government revenue. So I'm concerned about that. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you when I saw that. If it is that you're going to have to rely on some other measures like the Citizenship by Investment Program in order to make up that shortfall. Or, but then even with that, I think, well, I guess it depends on what their whole strategy for this whole thing is because it depends on when you make this reduction in VAT and then mm -hmm. when you expect to see the um the benefits from these economic um, programs that you plan to introduce like you mm. said citizenship by investment so obviously if there's a disparity in time between you two then you're gonna have that shortfall yeah you're gonna have that shortfall it's gonna take exactly. a while to get a citizenship by investment program operational for example and if yeah. you want to just get into office and slash that you have to be very careful in terms of how you're going about that huh? i mean the people can change people can be happy and i think we actually saw this in st lucia eh? mind you i think this this alan chastney government went in and, and they and they reduced that and the persons were happy, but subsequent to that, the government have been coming out and saying, you know, revenue isn't what it, you know, they're having revenue challenges. Let me just put it that right. way. And and persons have been saying, well, guys, you went and you 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 take on the VAT quickly, and and you you know, short for you know. So these are things that you have to bear in mind when you think when you talk about that whole reducing VAT thing. So you have to be careful how you go about that. The the NDP says they also want to reform personal income tax. Um, they didn't, I don't think in my I don't remember any great detail. I think again. they had um mm -hmm. I think they just had a reduction from thirty to eight thirty to eighteen. Oh yeah, in terms of the effective um, tax rate. In terms mm -hmm. of what yeah, so so they wanted to reduce it as well. So that's something similar with the government. Um, I would have to do the comparison in terms of um because remember the government wants to increase the 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 allowance, whereas the NDP mm -hmm. wants to um you know their plan as as they put it is to reduce the effective tax rate in terms of how much you actually pay. In, in your personal income tax. Um, another thing about the NDP that kind of stuck out to me, and I know it's already 35 minutes, wow, that we've been recording, <laughs> Jerry. Um, uh, they want to differentiate yeah. um, corporate tax by sector. Um, and, in, and, and they want to say, okay, 
uh, companies that that are fisheries that are agricultural companies or that are fisheries companies they're going to get a different tax rate and let's say somebody who's in retail and wholesale and manufacturing and so on so they want to have they want to have differentiated corporate tax now for me and i and i think is the position of a lot of um, persons who look at this is that generally speaking a less complicated tax system is preferred so if you're not going to go in you, the NDP wants to put a system in place uh, that is much more complicated they want to say so for example jerry if me and you incorporate um into our podcast and we say you know that's just right. to manage our little you know our, our affairs as the podcast but then now me and you like to fish on the weekend <laughs> you know we like to go out and and, and 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 catch fish and we want to sell that as well what happens there now? How are we getting taxed? Are we being taxed as a fisheries company? Are we being taxed as an entertainment company? Those are the type of practical questions that are going to come about if you say you have a differentiated um, tax rate by for sectors. Yeah. In addition right, to right. that, gotcha. when you when you look at when you kind of look at internationally, some of the, some of the most effective uh, um, uh, countries that have the least revenue loss and leakages from uh, tax avoidance are those with the simplest tax rate. And of course, you know, and we spoke about it before, and I think on the pod, Barbados recently reduced their overall tax rate, I think 5%, whereas before they used to have um, one rate for international companies and another rate for local companies. And that kind of made them kind of run afoul of international, um, you know, financial um, action task force and so on, because they don't like to see um, preferential treatment meted out to certain type of companies and so on. So in terms of international tax policy, sometimes, these are the type of things that you might run into. Investors as well, like this, some some of them like the certainty of having like a uniform tax rate and so on. And then right. there's also the possibility for loss of revenue and corruption. Because who determines what my company does? Who determines, you know, that that's like I mentioned before, you know, suppose I come to you and say, well, hey, now we, we don't sell that much fish now. As we, we mostly do entertainment or we sell more fish. We uh, sell more yeah. fish than we than we are. Because obviously you expect the fisheries tax rate to be cheaper, yeah. Right. And then right, how how does it come right. out now? When you have these sort of nuances within your tax law, and then you have the, then you might have a system of exemptions where the finance minister has to sign off, and uh, there, there's a committee that decides which tax which tax sec, which tax sector your company falls in. Those kind of things open up um, the possibility of corruption and so on. So these are things we have to look at in terms of that particular point from the NDP. So that one kind of had me like, mm, yeah. not too sure on that. From a local perspective, you might say, okay, you know, if I have, a, if I incorporate a fisheries um, business or agricultural business, then I'm paying a lower tax rate and so on. Um, but when you think about the kind of big picture, it might be problematic. So that's why I wanted to point that out. Mm. Yeah, no, that's something I didn't even appreciate, especially you're saying the, the avenue or it might open itself up to corruption there in terms of what you're going to say is responsible for most of your revenue versus what you're actually doing and the quick kind of auditing that kind of thing would require like okay they don't really yeah, appreciate that before right. you, yeah. you 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 complicate you gain r you gain r more what names are so we've got income tax you gain income tax more what they <laughs> you know but i mean that, that that was a concern for me um the next economic pillar of the ndp jadrick is the citizenship by investment now we did a whole podcast episode on this we did so we're yeah. not going to talk about this in terms of the pros and the cons necessarily all i'm gonna say personally i just don't feel like enough in the ndp manifesto has they they did not speak enough of, they did, again big bones yeah 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 i ain't gonna no meet me and and I, yeah. and I have to criticize this strongly because this isn't the first time that they're coming with the citizenship by investment 
They've been talking about this, I, think, I believe, from the last election. So in my mind, that's ample time to have fleshed out at least a, a policy paper, a policy brief on how you want to go forward with the citizenship and investment. At this stage in the game, it's not sufficient for you to come to tell me, you know, well, we're not going to sell, we're not going to have a, a minimum um, um, investment total. Uh, these kind of, you know, I want more. Right, I've yeah. seen what citizenship by investment can do for the for, for other countries in terms of the revenue. It it all comes down to how you use it, um, the 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 safeguards in place, um, and the, the transparency and those type of things, and and how you you manage the problem, manage the the, the <laughs> manage the program. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah. So, but for me, the NDP hasn't told us enough yeah. about this, and therefore they've allowed the the ULP to control the narrative and the citizenship by investment program. And I didn't get, I didn't feel any better after reading the manifesto in terms of citizenship by investment. But you guys can listen to our podcast episode on that. On that, yeah, yeah, great thing you most have heard. I mean, granted, I'm, let me not say so because I haven't been to like all these rallies and so. But I think the most I've heard about it from the NDP was at the um, discussion at the community college yesterday when I think a particular student asked him a question about it, mm. and you know he spoke a bit about it. But like you're saying, they're allowing the ULP to control the narrative. There's an entire section, you know, in the ULP's Youth Manifesto. Oh, honestly, I ain't going to let you to Janik. I didn't get to read the UNP, the Youth Manifesto. Yeah, I, I opened it just to look for certain things I wasn't finding in the in the main manifesto. Mm-hmm. And they have an entire chapter called The Folly of Selling Passports, where it just talks about... Um, it generalizes. And, and why you think they have that in the, in the um, youth one? In the, the youth manifesto, the, um, exactly. We, we ain't gonna go down that road, day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like you say, just allowing the contrary narrative when you don't flesh out your ideas like that. But yeah, we have a whole, whole episode on it in season one, it was. So you guys could go and listen yeah. to that. Yeah, definitely. I also saw the NDP want to create a ministry of the private sector. I think I saw a similar initiative in Jamaica with the Andrew Holness um, administration. I can't remember what they call it. I think it's like the Ministry of Economic Growth and, and Development, something like that. Um, I know we have something similar here, but I think in, in Jamaica, there's one gear towards um, um, private sector-led growth and development. And, and, and I, we've, we've seen this kind of cropping up a little bit more. I actually think that that's a good initiative because... I mean, while while a lot of uh, we recognize that the role of the government necessarily is not to create jobs and and to to, to be the private sector, quote unquote, but it's it's still the government's, as as we like to say in in in, in economics, it's the government's responsibility to roll the roll the cricket pitch and make sure that you know the, the players can come in and have a good cricket match, and that's what we talk about right. in terms of your role as a government in terms of facilitating the private sector. So I thought that was a good initiative by the NDP, but again, not fleshed out. But you know Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that. that's that, that's for me that's it for me that's the it. in terms of so many the, the the economic and fiscal policy points that stood out to me. Yep, let's roll on because you know the line could talk about this whole day. But I mean <laughs> this is his thing. <laughs> we are yet forty two minutes. I hope you guys are still with us. But we're gonna try to jump into one or two others. Just so you can have an idea of you know, the comparison between them. Um, Delano, if you want to go into agriculture now and fisheries. Yeah, agriculture and fisheries. Well, yeah, the ULP and the NDP, we have it kind of here in our chat. Like I say, we want to make sure that we, we compare in and nobody and say we bias on them something there. Um, I, for me, I think the ULP was... Uh, they, they had, it was there was definitely more words, but I'm not sure if yeah. I kind of fully pulled out the main points necessarily. So, for example, they had they wanted to enhance 
uh, the current thrust to reduce the input bill of food by targeting specific commodities for domestic competition. And I like that because they, they want to, um, you know, kind of recognize that our food import bill is too high and they want to, to look at that in a meaningful way. Um, but again, based on how the manifesto is set out, there wasn't any clear, you know, I, I wanted, we already talked about this, let me go back there. Um, <laughs> reform the legislative framework and existing practices to fortify further um, the protection of rights of agricultural workers including oh, ramping up the protection that. that's what i'm saying towards the nis yeah. so i mean you could i would i would like it if you just give me a little a little a little line there a couple a couple words that kind of give me your, your main point there and then you can elaborate but it was it's it's you know, like the, the, the ease of reading the manifesto isn't isn't yeah. there definitely not there um they spoke about develop develop optimally uh the recently established medical cannabis industry which of course is an important one and another one that we did an entire podcast episode about so we advise you guys to go back and listen to that we're not going to spend no time in this episode we're going to be zooming through because we realize we don't have we 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 hear talking long 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 (laughs) i don't pour another drink you know so we we trying to just kind of jump through quickly so forgive us um forgive us on that Strengthen the agricultural procedure. Pro, sorry, strengthen the agricultural produce and livestock preservation of theft Act of two thousand seven. They want to go um, more aggressively uh, in terms of predial yeah, last and those type of things, which of course yeah. we know is a big issue. The NDP actually has that in their yeah. manifesto as well. Um, the ULP speaks about providing no interest loans for um, for forty fishing boats under the COVID nineteen stimulus package, which I think is something that we always want to have modern equipment and i think that's part of why um our fishery sector hasn't developed and both both manifestos speaks to the speak to this sorry they we don't have our fisheries um sector that way people go out for two and three days at a, at a time and bring back in fish and fellas just go out morning come back eating and that type of thing and a part of it is in terms of the equipment that they have in terms of the the, the boat and, and and so on right, so yeah. that's that's both manifestos speak to that um they, so that's most of the ulp the ndp now they have um they want to encourage and incentivize organic farming um we, we spoke about that and i thought that was an interesting point because they're saying that so many people are trying to eat healthy globally now um that the people are, you know everybody when you go now people are asking oh, is that is that organically grown is this is this vegan is it, is it gluten free yeah. you know so this is a thing and so the ndp in, i don't know i don't know about the statistic but they said essentially if you if you kind of are able to tap into that market, you can earn as much as twenty two percent more or something like that in terms of your returns for the goods that you sell. So I I I found that interesting as a little niche market, so to speak, in terms of trying to grow organically, and they want to set up a um a certification system, um which I think is I, I think that's an interesting idea. Again, I would I could have used a little bit more meat on the matter, but it was it was a good idea, and they did give some details about it. Um, they also wanted to, they also want to encourage farm tourism and I, I recently found like out it's mm, okay, really the first time that I'm really hearing about farm tourism so when yeah. I saw it I was like this is really a good idea but yeah, it's something that I'm, I don't know it's like kind of well I guess it's not novel but, but, but yeah, something the first time I'm seeing yeah because I, I, I was speaking to somebody somewhere I was and somebody was saying you know they, go, they like to go when they go places when they travel they like to go on the farms and see how people are doing things and they you know be at one with the nature and I did not know participate that. 
they even participate in um in harvesting and, and I said, well, I can't be serious. Me leave my good <laughs> me, me leave my good me gone on vacation. For some guy yeah. from go pull up crops. <laughs> yeah. But I mean to each their own. Yeah, and a, I, I, thing, I, yeah. I found it interesting as well. I don't know how big that particular um segment of tourism is, but I did find the mm. idea interesting. Uh, they want to make more yeah. agricultural lands available. And I think the, both the ULP spoke up, uh, both parties spoke to some land reform and making um, agricultural lands available. The NDP wants to complete their, um, they want to basically finish land reform uh, and they want to put some, make some land available. And I think they said they want to start a land bank, could have used a little bit more detail on that. Um, develop overseas markets for agriculture. They said they want to market to major supermarkets in Europe, the Tesco's and those sort of places, um, especially in a post-Brexit UK environment. Um, but my question is, is that realistic given our historic, this economy's a scale and the challenges? And so I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm not saying you can't try. Um, I think it's a good idea if you're able to establish these direct linkages. And I think one of the things they spoke about in the NDP manifesto, which I thought, thought was interesting, is that they said they want to have, like, you know, Vincentians and so on, who have, who own infrastructure and businesses and, and, and so on in the UK, that storage facilities and these type of things. If they could approach... The, these major mm. supermarkets having already identified the, the means by which they're going to get the produ- produce there, how they're going to store it, how they're going to turn, and maybe that would give them a better in, a better window with them. I thought that was interesting. And I guess if they win, we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They spoke about bananas, and you know, the NDP, this guy a lot of licks with the hours talking about bananas. They said they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, um, yeah, I was against them with that. Come on, the man's about bananas. You have to diversify, <laughs> you know. But the NDP has, they want to establish a green team task force. And they really want, and I think this is, I don't know if we've ever had, perhaps we have. I think I've heard about, in, not inquiries, but reports that I've spoken to the way forward. I mean, recommendations about the way forward for bananas. Certainly, I think we have. Uh, but they want to, that task force is going to specifically explore the way forward for bananas in St. Vincent. That's what the NDP wants to set up. I don't know how much resources that's going to take or how you know, meaningful that's going to be in the end. But I do think diversification is the way to go. But I'm not saying to throw away bananas at the same time. Um, they want to teach, and I found these last two points interesting, Jared. They want to teach agriculture and fishing in schools, uh, primary and secondary schools. Um, right, I, f- I found out, and they want to introduce the youth appreciation uh, for agriculture program, um, which is it's a set up for a set up program for young farmers. And I, I, I always say this: I, I wasn't privileged to kind of be in that environment. You know, obviously, Jack in grammar school, we didn't have any, you know, yeah, we, we didn't have agriculture as, as as part of those things, and so we were never exposed to that. But I always wonder about that in terms of getting because we thought now we say you know the young generation not taking on farming they're not interested in farming and so on but uh, who who do we blame for that we kind of have to get them involved at the lower stage so they want to yeah, bring some back the other these schools things. do it but yeah, yeah we never did um so they want to do that some of the others yeah yeah and they said they want to establish fishing pools um to kind of foster young fisher folks um a, a program in schools and so i again i find it interesting because Fishing is one of those things that, unless you're from a particular tech community and so on, where fishing is, is historically being a part of your life growing up and so on, you ain't gonna find me necessarily, oh, you jared it. say, boy, let me try, let me go, you know, let me, let me see what's going on. And oh, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so, but we, we need to have that more widespread across the country. So I find those two initiatives um, interesting. They said they want to bring back marketing boards. We've been in agriculture for a long time, so let me jump forward. They said they want to bring back um, <laughs> marketing boards. 
um, which which I, I do remember they had marketing moving before they sell it, and I think it became Androbes, and now it's massive. Right, yeah. But I mean, yeah. the whole notion, the whole concept of marketing board is kind of basically where they allow the farmers to produce, and the marketing board would kind of match those produce to markets, uh, to buyers, match the buyers with the sellers, right. so that way the buyer, the, the the sellers or the agricultural farmers, they don't have to worry about where they're going to sell the goods necessarily. There's a process, a cooperative in effect that helps them with that. That's that's the old model. And the NDP said they wanted to bring that back. But of course, the ULP would have said that it was a, it was a waste of resources and so on. And that's why they initially privatized the marketing board and so on. So that's a whole de- other debate that we're not going to jump into. Jarek, you want to talk about terrorism? Um, are you going to jump into crime and justice? And then we yeah, you can jump into crime and justice. Then we can jump back up to tourism. Yeah, right. So when we look at both parties, they have chapters on crime, justice, things dealing with that. Um, so when you look at... Well, in terms of the NDP, that's at page 58. For the ULP, it's page 94 for those of us who are following, those of you who are following. So the NDP, they talk about expanding the high court and improving facilities. And then we see, obviously, over the past few months as well, that the ULP has been talking about uh, creating or building a modern hall of justice. And the NDP has actually been kind of criticizing that and saying that we need to put our money elsewhere. So when they talk about expanding the high court and improving facilities, I'm not sure the extent of the expansion that they, they're talking about. Um, but for the ULP, they actually have the money already secured, I think, and they want to create a modern hall of justice. Yeah, they're um, borrowing from Taiwan. Right. And and that's another talking point, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in both of these areas, I could actually come back and, and talk to that talk a bit more about that later just in terms of how it impacts business and the way we do things in the country um, indirectly which a lot of people don't really appreciate but those are two things that they both had and things I think I well I welcome things I'm glad to see happening that they want to do um, both talk about rehabilitation of offenders um, reforming criminal law and procedure again at the beginning we, we said that the ULP talked about that in their 2015 manifesto but I appreciate it's something that has to keep, um, you know, that's it's something that's ongoing. You can't <laughs> just reform criminal law at one point and, and be done with it. So I appreciate that they come back with that again. Um, the NDP, they also had uh, the one to set up something for support of victims of domestic violence. And we did an episode about this last season, I think. So they wanted to build another facility to well, shelter Jared, women. So we just touching everything in the episode. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, go, let's go listen to our episode. I'm, I'm good to I'm, go. I'm telling you. Yeah, I should. <laughs> um, yeah, so they want to do that. Um, improving police training. I think both parties mentioned stuff about that. The uh, In terms of recreational marijuana, that's something else that both parties touched on. So in the NDP, they want to decriminalize up to two ounces and allow persons to grow up to four plants. And I think some other countries have that, like Antigua, I think Jamaica, some others. Uh, they want to expunge criminal records yeah, for Antigua those. Yeah, definitely have it. Right, for those convictions. Um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good step across the board. Because um, obviously ULP has their own um, initiative with that as well. They want to roll out laws to de- um, depenalize small quantities of marijuana. Um, they don't say anything about growing your own plants, um, but yeah, I imagine it might come into play. I imagine. I heard the prime minister speak about that on Friday um, at, mm-hmm. at the session at the college, and he was he kind of alluded to difficulties in terms of in terms of um, growing 
the, the, the plant if we have it in the wild and, and, and possible negative consequences if you want to have medical marijuana and so on so you have to be careful that and he also spoke to um misuse by underage persons and so on if you're allowed right. such you know quantities in terms of the grow up to four plants thing right 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 yeah i could see that um trying to roll through quickly we're also looking at uh the ndp i think they they wanted to have a sex offenders registry which is something that we see in you know first world countries where once you're um, convicted of a sexual offense you have to actually go to his register have your name persons will be able to look at the registry and see where you're living now if you become their neighbor you know things of that sort um i'm not sure how well it would play in our small countries but you know yeah it's something that you know, is welcomed and something that i don't see in the ulp's manifesto but the ndp had that as a program oh, that the they ULP? wanted to use. okay yeah it's in the ndp's i didn't see it in the ulp's manifesto uh both talk about sexual harassment at the workplace the ulp they don't talk about it under this section with crime it's actually at page 84 of their manifesto but it's at that same section for the ndp under the crime section for the ndp and there's actually draft legislation that's going through the consultative process right now. So that's going to come into play regardless. Um, something else, both want to, well, the NDP specifically said that they want to increase the number of magistrates. So, of course, that would deal with the backlog that currently exists because these magistrates, I mean, there are a lot of cases. Trust me, <laughs> you go down there for the civil courts, especially you go down there on a Thursday in Kingstown and it's just... I know it's a long list every Thursday, man. You can't deal with all of them. So they want to increase the number of magistrates to assist with that. Um, ULP spoke about um, liaising with the magistrates to ensure better administration, which I imagine is the same thing. They probably want to find a way to allow the magistrates to get through a bit more of their work and cut down on that backlog. So those are the things that I picked out of the of both manifestos when dealing with crime and justice there are a lot of other things in terms of um actual uh in, when you go into the minutia of it in terms of police um powers and police reform and things like that police training but broad scale i think these are the bigger ones that i picked out and like i said i think when we're talking more about business and when we come back to that a bit later i might go into some of the ways that improving the efficiencies in the high court and building the modern hall of justice would improve business generally around st vincent like delano was saying when you expand these things and improve these things <laughs> when you improve these things exactly um then obviously we're able to register companies faster you're able to to simply ret- retrieve information from a from a company registry and uh, make changes to that the company's incorporation documents things like that now move at a snail's pace so i think once you improve the efficiencies in the high court and at registry departments then indirectly it benefits business both also talk about improving the land registration systems that's something i think i'll get into a bit later on but uh yeah that's all from me in terms of crime justice i think we might try to pop back into tourism now delano yeah, man, let me, let me talk about the tourism thing now. And then I'm always touch ICT and then we can go back to sports. Then, you know, sports is your thing, brother. You know, <laughs> so um, the ULP, um, tourism, uh, they want to oversee. And again, this is what we don't get from, from, from when you look at the layout of the manifestos. is a whole paragraph before you fully understand what the, China, the point that they're making. Whereas the NDP mm-hmm. now is one line, then an explanation. Layout, 
feet folks lay out makes a difference especially in Definitely. a situation like this um so they, they want to oversee and facilitate immediately and in the near term <laughs> they <laughs> stop me daddy because i mean and anyhow the the addition of over 12 1200 sorry hotel rooms in excess which is of course in excess of 350 million dollars in investment um, so they t- spoke specifically about the Black Sands at Peters Hope, Marriott at Mount Wayne, Sanders Beaches at Bookerman, um, Royal Mail at Ratner Mail, and so on. So they, and they they gave a list of hotel projects that they want to do, all of which I think are going to be hugely beneficial if they can happen. I know the Black Sands project, I think that one has stalled. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that one is going. But people are increasingly skeptical, particularly after how that whole Bookerman fiasco went. So persons right. are skeptical and the NDP is pointing out, listen, these fellas fail you in terms of delivering these things now. So that's one of the things there. Um, secondly, uh, another one, the ULP want to facilitate imp- the improving and building out communities of Bookerman, Leyu and so on, which, and, and they said they want to explore, uh, you know, tourism development in, in the Leeward side of St. Vincent. To me, this is one instance where I, I, I didn't have the clarity um, in terms of the, the the ULP, in terms of their plan for the Leeward side, in terms of tourism, I didn't really get that. They apart from the development of the hotels, I'm be careful in terms of that. But mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. that particular point about these building out the communities, I needed some more clarity there. They spoke also about upgrading um, ter- the tourism authority. I had to put this down. Both parties have this up. They want to upgrade and provide the tourism authorities with more resources for market research. Um, I think our tourism authority um, is one of the lower-funded tourism authorities in, in, in the Caribbean. When I think about the amount of money that Barbados, for instance, gets, uh, it puts the tourism marketing and the tourism authority in general, and mm-hmm. places like Antigua and so on, they put a lot of money into their tourism. And I hope that I if we're going to be increasing our hotel stock, our room stock, that we're going to be putting money into our tourism authority to properly market St. Vincent the Grenadines. Um, both both parties have that, so that's that's not a, anything in terms of contention or comparison. They want to um, the ULP has we want to they want to accord active consideration to <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> accord active consideration to a possible <laughs> cruise ship pair in North Leeward. Again, same language as it was in 2015 oh, yeah. where they said they want to explore, yeah. explore. Um, it, but we, we're not hearing anything there in terms of that. So it's basically five years later we're still talking about that. Again, guys, just being impartial, don't come for me. Um, we want to make sure that there is further enhancement of economic linkages in tourism, particularly in the provision of agricultural products. And I, I put this down because I want this to be, this has to be something that we focus on going forward as we build out our hotel and tourism plan. Uh, in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, we have to make sure that we have linkages with these new hotels, that they're buying our local produce, that they're using as much yep. um, local agriculture and fisheries as possible, that we're not importing everything for these hotels. We've seen so many other countries make that mistake. We're late to the game. I hope that we have our heads on, our thinking caps on, as, as, as my teacher used to say. Make sure you have your thinking cap on when we're dealing with this, um, this tourism build-out that we're doing here. And now. I think it's something that our farmers need to make sure they're ready for as well because yeah you have to, to, be to supply yeah you need to be able to supply yeah if you if you can't supply them fellas can find it somewhere else and if they start importing and they're getting constant and, and, and supply at good quality then you'll be hard pressed to find yourself back in that market with, with these hotels thereafter ndp 
They want to market a work from Paradise Visa. We've seen Barbados do it. We see Cayman Islands mm-hmm. doing it. We see everybody pulling out one now. I think the Bahamas has one now. I think the NEP saying you can work to up to a year, two years, something like that. Something that's beneficial. Everybody's doing it. We are beautiful. St. Vincent Grenadine is beautiful. So I have no yeah, doubt that we've been an attractive destination. Yeah, so I'm fully on board with that. I'm fully on board with that um, with that initiative. Um, they want to improve our hotel and tourism guest house stock. Basically, they want to do the same thing. They want to do building out in terms of um, in terms of um, the hotel stock. Um, they they of course want to perhaps go about it in a different way in terms of citizenship, um, citizenship by investment, the CBI program, and so in terms of getting money. Whereas I think in our case we're actually borrowing some of the money to, to build our hotels. Yeah, borrowing. And that's for me yeah. that's not desirable. Eh? I don't think our government should necessarily be borrowing money to build. Um, or the NIS necessarily should be investing in some of these things. Uh, I'm wary about that. I'm a little bit wary about some of those things. That's why, to me, um, if you're able to, to, to use this citizenship by investment in that way, like saying kids and a lot of countries have have done in terms of building out their, their tourism product, that would be good if you if you don't have to have loans on the books of the government in relation to that. Um, adopt an open skies policy. I'm not spending time on that because... I think St. Vincent basically has an open skies policy already. So NDP, I wasn't quite sure what NDP meaning here. We more or less have that. That's that to me, that's a moot point. Um, um support ecotourism. I found some of these ideas interesting. These are things that you and I have been talking about for years, Jadric, in terms of yeah. zip lining and cable cars and so on. Because the, the, the topography of St. Vincent, the Grenadines, lends itself yeah. to these yeah, sort of ecotourism. Yeah, to these sort of ecotourism initiatives. So I welcome that and they want to do it. Um, well, they want to support. So I like, and I was happy to see that as well. When they want to have private sector involvement, they want to designate marijuana freedom zones to create more jobs. Could have used a little bit more details on that. I don't know if you've elaborated, if they've elaborated it on, on it on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know the ULP is against that. Um, they want to improve marketing for the. We spoke about that already. They want to improve um, the resources of the tourism authority. Uh, they want to improve security at the harbors. The usual, and they want to establish a training institute for mar- for maritime and hospitality. So that's that's basically it in a nutshell between the two manifestos. Interesting ideas um, from the NDP. Some of them are new. Yeah, I like, I like, I like the that. Ideas. Some of them are new and fresh. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I like the ideas because um, they seem like like you say fresh, but again, they lacked in the you know detail exactly how they're yeah, gonna go about yeah. it. But I, mean, I like the ideas. I know it's difficult, eh? And it's not like you jacky jacket, eh? It's difficult because when you're when you're in opposition, you don't have you don't have um a plan for the hospital and or renderings and all these yeah. type of things because you you don't have the resources to go and spend because people forget how much these things cost now to the, even though the preliminary designs and all these type of things for some of these ideas that you have it's not easy and the the, the party in power has the government resources and the government apparatus. Um, you know, yeah. to, to, to facilitate them in that way. So that's just a separate and apart as we, because we have to kind of be mindful of these things as we discuss. Um, ICT Jadrick, um, this for me, this is a big one. I, I know you're more IT oriented than me, but I found there were a lot of things here and I want to spend some time on this because we keep, keep speaking about the digital, mm-hmm. um, you know, economy and how we're going to move forward. And I want to say from the outset, I was rather disappointed in terms of the NDPs. Uh, the NDP. Um, yeah, in terms, of, as well. in terms yeah. of what they're proposing for, um, for ICT. Um, overall, to me, it was quite vague. You know, no yeah. details in terms of the plans. And, and, and I give I give the, the NDP a low grade in terms of what they put forward for ICT here. On the other hand, the ULP has put forward a lot of good initiatives, but I have serious doubts about their implementation deficit. 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of some of these things. And you know, I've been very critical about e-business in, in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and I, I, I make no apologies for that. We should be doing a lot better than we're doing in terms of technology integration in our businesses and in our economy. So the ULP want to distribute over 28,000 eight inch um, tablets. I think they've already started doing that. They did some at the community college this week and they wanted to do that as a part of the one tablet per child program. We had the one laptop. Then fellas say, here we're going on. It's time for the one tablet. I, I, could, I could get behind that. Um, once we get it low cost and the, and the students take care of it and there's certain, certain safeguards in place, I could get behind that. They want to establish an e-bus management system, Jadrick. Um, before you move on, one thing here that's not um, to give NDP some credit. It's not mm-hmm. under their ICT section, but in terms of they have under education, I think at page 39, they have what they call a rollout tablet textbooks. Mm-hmm. So they want to roll out similar thing. They want um, to improve education and training and roll out technology for all students with tablets, laptops that have up-to-date copies of textbooks so that they won't have to rely on, you know, traditional by traditional textbooks and buy new textbooks each year and you know putting a costly parents and all of that so i imagine it would have to be a wide-scale rollout of Mm -hmm. laptops and tablets as well but it's just that they didn't have it in the ict section but it's difficult when you have two different setups and different headings and so on eh? yeah they're trying to pull everything together and collate yeah which is something else that there's a, a running theme throughout the um throughout this that we found that one party might have something under one section, one might have another section, and it's kind of hard to find both. But but yeah, we, we tried our best. Yeah. Um, so the e system I was talking about, um, basically, they want to place um, onboard information and systems on um, around 200 minibuses, and they want to have around 50 intelligent bus stops. Um, for me, I don't know how this going to work with private buses. I, I, you know me, mm. I, am, I, I am for... Uh, the exploration of a public bus system in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Yeah. Something, perhaps not at, not at the scale of Barbados or Jamaica or Trinidad, um, but I think it, it would definitely be beneficial, especially if we're looking to move forward in terms of our tourism and expand the opening hours of our economy. But we've also spoken about that in a previous podcast again, um, so you guys can look at that podcast on public transformation. You can listen to that. <laughs> you know, um, They want to develop a national cyber, cyber security um capability to monitor and identify and, and, and i think this is important that they've already started that in terms of the cameras and so on i think that's good i think so long as they have the, the technology we've seen mm-hmm. i've seen i've seen a lot of what trinidad's the investment in terms of technology and and the the, the impact that it has on has that it has had or is having on crime um people yeah. might see that trinidad to think that trinidad's have a high crime but imagine it without the technology and thing eh? <laughs> that's why they see yeah, exactly yeah what I hope that we don't do is wait until the crime situation starts to devolve before we start making these mm-hmm. investments. I don't have to look at that. There's one here, Jared, that stood out to me. Develop a series of citizen-centric digital services. What I mean? <laughs> you know that's how I point to them. What I mean? I don't like to see y'all fluffing up the manifesto. Them and point them out. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> develop a series of citizen-centric digital services. digital services a lot of these things that we've spoken about had to do with that and if it means something else you have to you have to elaborate i ain't got enough um yeah. five agree. they want to establish an integrated government electronic payment system and i have this in bold jadrick because we I need know it in bold because <laughs> we need to, to talk about it all the time all the time to enable government citizens and businesses to transact electronically in a seamless and secure way um, thereby improving 
e-payment and e-commerce in in, 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 in Senegal. Listen, Jerry, I, I we spoke I, about I don't, this in an episode as well, yeah. We did, and we spoke about this was in the episode about you, which is a cash. And for this, yeah. I can't believe this when I see this because right now you can't walk into no government office in Zimbabwe and use and pay your card. So that, yeah. to me, this this is definitely malarkey until I see it happen. And yeah. we need to do better in terms of that. But I'm glad it's in the manifesto again. We well, hopefully can come to fruition. Uh, they want to pioneer the digital currency. I saw that, but in terms of the, the digital Eastern Caribbean currency, and I know you've seen that. Um, mm. But for me, I think this might take a little while to catch on in St. Vincent. Huh? As I don't know if you know, but you know, we did speak about it. St. Vincent is one of the, the, the countries in the ECCU that utilizes the most physical cash. cash and uh, we have yeah. a lot of persons who are unbanked and so on. So it kind of begs the question, if they're not doing these things in a general, they still prefer cash. Is the is the digital currency really going to catch on in a way, especially in an environment where the government hasn't even fostered the uses of um, cards and electronic transfers and so before? So I don't yeah. I don't buy that it's going to have the impact that the government is told, and it's still good, and I still welcome it. But we needed to start this thing a little bit long in terms of our own um, digitization of the payment system in Saint Vincent. Um, they want to create, and this one, Jerica, we, we we still have to do the episode on the national identification system. Um, they want to create a unique digital identifier and citizen authentication cards to supplement the current ID cards that they have. And, and, and for me, this is interesting, but I wondered, and I don't know if you saw, well, I know you saw, because we spoke about it. Um, why aren't we going in the direction of Jamaica and Barbados in terms of an overhaul of the national ID system for one which is digital and, and universal? So we saw, like, for example, Jamaica wants to push forward where they, you can use that one ID across the board and so on. And they, so it's not a supplement. It's one ID that, that, that they want to overhaul the existing system with. Right. And I think that's it. And Barbados is doing it as well. They're rolling it out, if not later this year, early next year. Um, and, and that, for me, is the direction we should be going in terms of a single national digital national identification system that these other countries are moving forward with. I don't want to spend this money here. And then we don't end up, you know, and then we, we have to go again later and upgrade again. It's better mm-hmm. we go all the way out now because I know in Jamaica, they even want to have your fingerprint and that and all them type of things, your biometrics and so. So, I mean, there, there's some legal concerns there. But of course, to me, I think it's something worth exploring. We are an hour plus into the podcast. <laughs> it's going to be the longest podcast the episode longest episode ever. Yeah. But the people want to know. And if we did come and yeah. give them another half thing, they would have come and say, boy, I never talk about this. We're still going to miss some stuff, you know, but I hope you all realize how long it takes and just to go through. Yeah, just to go time. through, just to go through. Um, and the final one is to establish an e-government portal so that uh, this one, again, I have this in bold too because they want to establish an e-portal, a government portal where you can do all your permits, your licenses, pay your fees and so on. Mm-hmm. Register companies. A lot, exactly, a lot of those things. So we need to get on the ball with that. But of course, Jarek, you see I have here, I will believe this when I see <laughs> when it. When I see it. <laughs> so for me right now, this is the only Malaki section until it comes to fruition. Because <laughs> we're talking about this thing for years, brother. And that's for me in yeah. terms of ICT. I guess you can jump in on the sports and, um, and, and, and culture. Um, yeah, so when we look at sports and culture, we're looking at page 62 in the... NDP manifesto, page 91 in the ULP manifesto. Um, in the in terms of ULP, they just have like a general discourse on strategy, but no actual plans in their manifesto under that section. If you look at page 18, which I don't think is really under any specific section, it's just um, 
at page 18 they act they talk about what they've done i think some plans of what they plan to do so they talk about completing the modern track and football facility at diamond which i think ought to have been well it's gonna open sometime soon i think it was open today actually at the time of recording this but uh yeah they talk about uh lighting sports facilities across the country in uh, conjunction with the national law lottery about authority time. <laughs> about time um and uh, that through a memorandum with the football federation with funds from fifa they're going to light uh, other fields and stuff like that they want to ramp up culture revolution building a modern home for the creative arts so this is really sports and culture but i find right? we're training this revolution world wrong plenty plenty now yeah but i ain't got it <laughs> just leave that in <laughs> uh yes that's thing that's that's something else you're gonna see in the NDP manifesto where they talk about creating an arts and culture center but for the ulp where you actually really see their plans which um it shows where they're targeting but it's in the youth manifesto so i had to go looking in the youth manifesto for this at page 21 that's where they actually lay out their plans for sport and culture ah. so they talk about they talk about making the steel pan the default instrument for music instruction in schools what, what? Uh, they want to get a ricotta <laughs> sorry oh. <laughs> They want to institute new cultural showcases that employ local artists and honor famous Vincential cultural practitioners. Um, you know. Beckett. <laughs> uh, enhance Vincimas post COVID nineteen. You know, create more local programming on television and so they say on internet. I, I, I mean, and that's one of the things, Jared. As, as, as you're on um, Vincimas, I feel like if our our investment in terms of our national festival isn't on par with what you see. In terms of other mm. countries, in terms of what the the um, CDC gets, but that's separate and apart too. So I hope they're going to be. And we spoke about this in an episode on the orange economy. Did. So <laughs> we talk about everything. Come on, everything. People. Come on, we, check we it out. Subscribe. <laughs> um, and again, they talk about installing lighting at Annesville and the fields at Chile, Brighton, Diamond, Athletic Track. They want to construct more hard courts. We see they are each time to do some of that, um, particularly in rural areas. Uh, provide funding and improve training opportunities for coaches, officials, and trainers. Establish more scholarship opportunities for talented youth. I think you're going to see that as well with the coming on of this um, track. I think you're going to encourage more people to actually take track a bit more seriously. I, you know, no, track scholarships. Start, we, one of the it used to be stadium, you now it's track, but just cool. Now it's track. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you jump over to the NDP's manifesto, boy, they boy the land they go into detail with with sports and they have a specific plan for almost every single field in the country starting at beckway at patchett farm and the clive tennis playing field they want to repair the hard course add lighting pretty much they want to add lighting to every field in st vincent it seems and create new ones so they talk about um even fair hall playing field adding lighting brighton like Literally everything you have to go in the manifesto so, yourself so and you, look at so it. So how you gave me more details pan lighting than you gave me pan pan citizenship by investment. <laughs> but I'm gonna leave that this soon. Yeah, they, they they talk about their plans for every literally I, I would say at least ninety percent of the fields and, and hard coats and swings and Vincent they have a plan for. Um surprisingly, uh well, at Lay U and Cumberland do wanna have uh, running track with lighting again and stands so we already have this one at diamond I, uh, I i don't know if we're actually gonna see that but i mean to say we're gonna have three tracks since i mean 
might be a bit of a stretch, but they want to have that. They want to construct a gymnasium and auditorium between grammar school and high school. Long years of talking about that. Years of talking about that, yeah. And uh, like I said, the, the Arts and Cultural Center, they want to encourage sports tourism. They want to attract major sporting events. At least, well, we still don't have a stadium, but you know, at least if we have a track, I guess you could probably attract some regional events. I'm not sure if Kerf would be interested in coming, things like that. But, um, and of course, with the hotels, they're going to have to have the capacity to hold all these people, these huge contingents that come with these countries. Jamaica always comes with a huge contingent for events, for these sporting events and stuff. I think all that would probably fit in together. But, um, but yeah, look at the NDP's manifesto because it was just too much for me to go into. And they have plans for, like I said, for almost every existing field and court across the nation. The nation where they want to upgrade lighting, seating, bathroom facilities. Um, and yeah, so you should check it out yourself. But really, that's all about it for sport. And again, you have to go to the youth manifesto for the ULP if you want to see what their plans are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jerry, why not? No, no. Basically, that's that's about it. Those are the areas that we picked out. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on in terms of when I was saying I'll go back to talking about doing business. And uh, at page 12 of the NDP's manifesto, they're talking about the specific plans for improving business in SVG. And they're talking about improving the, effici- the efficiencies in the land registry, high court, companies registry, things like that. Those are things I, I was glad to see. Um, but both parties spoke about that to some extent in terms of revamping the registry and things like that. So you're going to see improved efficiencies there if we're able to file things faster, more efficiently. And currently things move at a snail's pace, like I said, but it's really not an indictment against the persons working with the personnel. I think it's just more lack of resources because I personally love the way the FSA runs. It runs very smoothly and um, <laughs> things um, you can always get things done there. So I think it's just lack of resources. But one thing that I was also glad to see, that I think persons might be glad to see, is that page 13 of the NDP's manifesto, they talk about widening that waiver of the 10% stamp duty for uh, land transactions. And that was amended in 2011. Before that, it used to be that if you are, say, giving land to, well, if you're giving land to uh, between parents and children, which included grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren, you would be exempt and you wouldn't have to pay that 10% stamp duty. It was also applied to siblings and spouses, even after three years after the divorce, um, and to corporate entities as well. If you own 51% in a company, you could transfer property to somebody in those categories I just mentioned without paying that 10% stamp duty. So the NDP, they're saying they want to bring it back. Wait, 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 10% of the value of the property? 10% of the value of the property, as assessed by the government. Uh, so even if you're selling it for 100000 if the government assesses it to be 200000 you have to pay 10% on that 200000 So really? currently the waiver only applies to parents and children and spouses. But the NDP, they're saying they want to bring it back to include siblings, grandparents, grandchildren, all of that. So I, I don't know what that part of the fifty-one percent um share thing though. That part to me, the beneficial that, that, yeah. that almost seem like people them they don't have got already now. But I mean, that's just from <laughs> narrow view. But uh, but I mean, you know, it's something that I get a lot. A lot of persons come in and say, "Oh, you know, so why I can't give to my sister free and that kind of thing?" So 
At least if you bring back some of the categories, then yeah, those parts. But it, I, I speaking specifically about the, the part about, about the company, the fifty one percent anything. Because in my mind, the, the type of transactions, so of course, that could result in a lot of lost revenue for the government, and particularly mm. because you would find that if if you own the persons who own companies and then something something legitimate, you kind of they tend to be in a higher income bracket. So I mean, the question would come like, why are you exempting them from from paying the ten percent? Is, is is my point really? Mm, right yeah no I, I get you yeah i mean a lot of persons do it as well just for um well in terms of some management and in terms of uh you know keeping assets separate and so but it could be family companies and things like that as well where we have a lot you, know, of you want to make a transfer but yeah um but that was a category that was previously uh that previously existed up to 2011 so even under ULP for some time but yeah in 2011 they made that shift to do with those exemptions so um uh yeah but i guess we can wrap up we have been going on for over an hour and 20 minutes um and it's it's a late night here for borderland and i and uh, yeah and I, I don't drink so much that the granny berries and a toast or nothing i don't i don't drink about three glasses of my something here so that's all the toast i need um so we, we good on that tonight yeah just to wrap up just wanna encourage everybody all the intentions to go out and vote it's just um a few days away at the time of recording this it's november 5th so yeah go out and vote make your voices heard and uh, that's it from us. I am the lawyer, Jadrick Cummings. And I'm Delano D'Souza, the policy analyst. Vote, and we'll catch you next time.